This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone. Well, COP15, the United Nations Biodiversity Conference, is underway in Montreal, exploring the nature crisis being faced globally. The UN says the Earth is experiencing a dangerous decline in nature, and humans are the cause of it. Among the sobering facts released by the UN, humankind is using the equivalent of 1.6 Earths to maintain our current way of life, and ecosystems cannot keep up with our demand. One million of the world's Estimated 8 million species of plants and animals are threatened with extinction. 75% of the Earth's land surface has been significantly altered by human actions, including 85% of wetland areas, 66% of ocean area affected by human activities from fisheries and pollution. And that's just some of the startling realities facing all of us. Well, the Nature Conservancy of Canada commissioned a public opinion research poll by Ipsos Public Affairs for the COP15 conference. My guest today is Pierce Evans, Newfoundland and Labrador Program Director with the Nature Conservancy of Canada. Hello. Hello, Linda. It's great to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. So tell us a little bit about this survey of Atlantic Canadians leading into the COP15 conference. Yeah, so this is kind of the latest in uh, a series of annual surveys that the Nature Conservancy of Canada has commissioned, um, just kind of getting a bit of a flavor for where uh, Canadians uh, stand uh, with regards to nature conservation and, and you know, the work that uh, we do, but not necessarily with um, a focus on the Nature Conservancy of Canada's work, but kind of on uh, nature conservation generally. And obviously this year, uh, with the COP15 meetings happening uh, here at home in Canada, uh, we decided to sort of uh, reorient uh, slightly the, our annual poll to really focus on uh, the importance of, uh, the, of nature conservation and, and sort of whether Canadians, uh, and it was a national, uh, a national poll, um, but whether Canadians felt the same sort of sense of urgency as uh, as we do as some of the messaging that has gone out and and what we found was that uh, indeed there's you know some fairly some fairly overwhelming uh you know majority of Canadians do feel that sense of urgency uh they want to see action they want to see implementation uh to meet some of the targets that are uh, that have been discussed at previous meetings and that are being discussed at this current meeting. Uh, and they want to, I think, see a whole of society approach to solving some of these biodiversity issues and and the rapid loss of biodiversity that we're seeing around the world, but uh, even right here at home in Canada. And one would think that, uh, you know, Canadians were a little bit shielded, pardon the pun, by that, in that, you know, we have a lot more natural open spaces than a lot of countries in this world. We do, and and we still have, you know, uh, among the most ambitious targets, you know, 30% uh, conserved of our terrestrial and marine area uh, by 
um, 2030. Um, so that's still kind of up there with, you know, one of the, the higher uh, sort of levels of, of targets nationally that, that countries have sort of uh, publicly signed on for. Um, but we, yeah, we do have, you know, there are parts of the country that are, uh, are still quite natural or that we think are quite natural. I guess that's the other part of this that, um, you know, we need to kind of uh, readjust some of our perspectives when we think about kind of these um, quote-unquote natural and untouched areas of our country. You know, we here at home in, in Newfoundland Labrador um, can think quite easily that, well, there's so much nature and there are so few of us that how could we possibly have that big of an impact? But, you know, through industrial activities, uh, even through recreational activities, uh, our reach as a species, uh, certainly on the island of Newfoundland, a little bit less so in Labrador, um, but our reach out into the hinterland uh, goes incredibly deep. And we can have, you know, pretty profound impacts on areas of the province that we really don't see very much of uh, from the highways or from our communities. Um, but that you know, th those impacts are happening uh, and they are having an impact on uh, species abilities to thrive there and have, uh, you know, the undisturbed, unfragmented habitat that they need to survive. Well, indeed, and our, our perception can be skewed somewhat because of this corridor that travels along with the highway. Right. And, you know, we do arrange it that way, uh, you know, on purpose. We we make sure that uh, there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, uh, forestry activities or mineral exploration uh, happening kind of within the viewshed of most of our highways. Um, again, that's, you know, that's done on purpose to kind of um, maintain that, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a uh, maybe maintaining the tourism uh, uh, aspect of the province or, or um, kind of the aesthetic um, aspects of the province. Uh, and, you know, there's no harm in that, but it does uh, make for maybe a bit of a, uh, yeah, a, a, an incorrect perspective that, well, there's nothing happening out there. So clearly it's it's fine. You know, there's no real need for additional conservation measures because, from what I see when I drive that highway every day, uh, you know, there's not much going on there. But, you know, once you get a little bit further off the well-beaten track uh, and back into uh, the deep, dark woods, uh, well, you might find that there's actually a lot more activity back there than, uh, than what meets the eye from the highway. Um, and so that's the need to, uh, that we see, uh, even in places like Newfoundland Labrador, uh, to see an accelerated pace of conservation uh, to make sure that the uh, the biodiversity, that the uh, rich array of species that we have in this province um, continue to exist here for future generations. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about what your survey found when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is the Newfoundland and Labrador Program Director with the Nature Conservancy of Canada, uh, Pierce Evans. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM.
Our guest today is the Newfoundland and Labrador Program Director with the Nature Conservancy of Canada, Pierce Evans, and we're talking about COP15 in Montreal and the recent survey conducted by the Nature Conservancy regarding um, how important, I guess, wild spaces are to Canadians as a whole. What did it find? Well, um, one of the interesting things that uh, it found was that uh, folks in B.C. uh, and the Atlantic region uh, were among the most concerned about the climate uh, or the sorry the impacts of climate change and nature loss. And I guess uh, you know these these were also sort of the series of questions is also asking about the the link between nature loss and climate change. Uh, and so uh, you know it's interesting that the two coastal regions of of sort of the survey area were you know feeling that very strongly. And I can't help but think that that might. Uh, have something to do at least on our coast with you know the recent events of Hurricane Fiona that are you know still being felt across the region. Um, we saw you know huge amounts of obviously devastation to communities. Um, you know Port of Basque will likely never look the same again. Um, but we also saw as part of that um, a huge amount of uh, change in our coastlines. You know coastal erosion was kind of one of the primary stories of of that event. And that really changes uh, the nature of a lot of those coastal ecosystems, um, as well as, you know, the nature of our our coastal communities. So people are really starting to see uh, how the interplay between climate change, um, you know, how we conserve and protect land and how we live in our communities is starting to kind of unfold and and play out. And uh, that's that's maybe one of the more interesting stories out of this uh, this survey that uh, that I found. It, it, could it also be, you know, just general exposure, if you will? Uh, if you're asking somebody who has spent it all, if not most of their li- life in the GTA, uh, they might not be as aware of the impacts on nature because they're not seeing it. They only know what they've been told, if you know what I mean. Whereas people who are living in some of these places, like along the coast of Newfoundland or the coast of uh, BC, for that matter, uh, can see it. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, one thing that you do see in more heavily populated uh, areas with, you know, a lot more kind of human traffic coming and going is you do, you do generally see the introduction of, of new species, uh, you know, among the first, uh, you know, compared to some of the more or, or less densely areas, uh, densely populated areas. Um, and uh, so you're going to, and that's all part of climate change as the climate sort of warms up in certain areas, new species are going to be able to arrive and flourish there. And you do, you know, often see that kind of in southern Ontario or southwestern BC uh, first uh, in the country. But in more rural parts of the country and and, in this province, where people are, you know, at the more raw edge of the sort of human nature uh, interface, uh, yeah, you see a, a lot of that. And, and people in this province spend a lot of time, uh, I think whether they're in St. John's or in Port of Bass, they spend a lot of time outside in, in nature, uh, out in the back country or out around the bay. Um, and, uh, you know, so they, they do get a lot of exposure to it. And they're seeing the changes, uh, whether it's, um, you know, poor uh, salmon runs in recent years because we've had, you know, kind of uh, record-setting summer temperatures. I mean, there's not many people who are going to complain about the summer that we had 
this past year. Uh, but it did make for difficult uh, a difficult year for salmon in many rivers uh, where we saw really high temperatures, water temperatures, and, and uh, very little rainfall. So that's something that, uh, you know, not everybody was maybe appreciating. Some of the salmon anglers or outfitters, uh, they weren't maybe uh, appreciating that aspect of climate change, but people were probably enjoying the, the finer weather at least. Um, so, yeah, people are, are paying attention. And of course, uh, we know what's happening now in Labrador. They're seeing some pretty dramatic changes and um, are going to continue to see those dramatic changes if the latest statistics from uh, Vital Signs is any warning. Well, that's right. Uh, and, you know, there's Labrador is kind of a whole other kettle of fish, um, you know, for, for this province. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's a really... In some ways, we're a great natural laboratory where we have that um, huge uh, breadth latitude. Um, we do get to see, you know, more or less the, the Arctic end of climate change in, you know, the further north areas of, of Labrador, right down to a much more temperate version of climate change down here in, in St. John's. Um, so, you know, that in that respect, you know, the, the news coverage that we get and some of those, uh, you know, publications like Vital Signs, um, they give the people in this province uh, a really good perspective um, on climate change and how it's impacting communities uh, across, you know, a real wide variety of, of you know, climate uh, types and ecosystem types. Um, and, you know, we... So we did find that kind of wherever people were responding to uh, the poll that we commissioned, you know, uh, maybe as a result of all that time they've been spending outside uh, and kind of exploring their own backyard over these past couple of years with COVID or maybe because they've just always had uh, this appreciation. But people are really concerned about conserving the nature that exists in their own backyard, you know, close to where they live. And that's only natural that we need to kind of, you know, we feel the need to protect um, our communities. And, and, you know, our community does extend to include the, the natural spaces uh, around, you know, that we're most familiar with. And I, I see an overwhelming majority say we need to be acting faster to curb those, uh, those changes. Uh, but uh, what are the answers? Um, I know a lot of people are looking at renewable energies and these kinds of things, but is it more to do with preservation of the, the land that we have now to help mitigate? Well, I mean, the twin crises of climate change and rapid biodiversity loss um, is you know, one of those kind of quote unquote wicked problems. It's one of those, it's a problem that is going to, again, take that whole of society approach for, uh, for climate change and mitigation. You know, that's kind of a little bit outside my wheelhouse. And, you know, I'd say we need to be kind of, uh, you know, going pretty, uh, pretty all out on, uh, on making sure that we can uh, have that kind of clean energy future. But, um, part of climate change mitigation is also making sure that carbon that exists in the ecosystems, that it's in the forest, in the ground, uh, even in the oceans, uh, stays put and stays locked away there for the long term. 
And, you know, so that means making sure that we are striking that balance and preserving uh, nature, not just for its ecological benefits and the benefits of preserving biodiversity, but um, making sure that, you know, we're not disturbing our our wetlands and our peatlands and our really kind of high carbon landscapes uh, so that we keep that carbon locked away uh, where it's not doing any harm. So uh, there's there's a, a many, many pronged approach uh, that we need to be taking, uh, but we obviously need to be taking that approach uh, a lot faster. Uh, and so that means um, federal, provincial, territorial, uh, governments. Uh, it means nonprofit and, and charitable organizations such as the Nature Conservancy of Canada. It means Indigenous governments. Uh, and it also means um, community members and members of the business community. Um, and, you know, that members of the business community part, that doesn't really uh, end at, uh, you know, uh, green energy projects or or kind of redesigning our infrastructure or that kind of thing. It also extends to uh, conservation. You know, we're starting to see, even in this province, uh, some serious interest from um, members of the uh, of the business community in doing conservation, in, in working with organizations like ours to make, you know, real strides in conservation happen in this province. And that's really exciting, uh, but we need to see a lot more of that. And, and you know, we're also going to need to work with the provincial government uh, on that because, you know, the vast majority of the, the land base in this province is crown land. So it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's controlled by uh, the provincial government. So we need to be working together to make sure that, you know, we're tackling this problem with the sense of urgency that it demands. And I want to ask you a little bit about what the Nature Conservancy is doing and, and these partnerships that ne- are needed in order for us to uh, preserve our natural spaces when we come back after the break. But I wanted to touch on something you just mentioned there. You you say carbon is being locked away in some of these peat or, or wetlands. We know them as bogs, I suppose. Um, how does that work? Well, I mean, the way that, that uh, you know, wetland forms is you, you get the vegetation a lot of it you know in a bog for example would be sphagnum moss uh it you know grows very slowly but it it does grow and accumulate uh and because the uh soil uh below just below that kind of boggy mossy grassy uh surface is waterlogged uh because the water table is so high and 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 high throughout the year uh it kind of creates an environment where that organic material that has accumulated uh, just below the living surface uh, doesn't really have a chance to break down. So usually when things kind of break down, they compost, um, you do get that release of CO2 and methane and that kind of thing. That's why your compost sort of stinks and it you know, tells you that it needs uh, you, you to add some, some brown matter to all that green matter that you've thrown in there from your kitchen. Uh, but, um, but in a bog, it never really gets to the point where it can break down uh, and so it just kind of keeps it um, accumulating uh, just below the surface as new sphagnum, new uh, moss and organic material, new new vegetation grows over top of it. Uh, and so, you know, you can get um, that kind of organic material. It can become, uh, you know, meters in depth. And that's all just, you know, carbon-rich, uh, dead but not decaying 
uh, vegetation that uh, is submerged below the living surface. So that's uh, those are those carbon-rich environments that we need to make sure uh, are well protected and, and not releasing that uh, that carbon through things like disturbance or draining uh, wetlands for development or uh, covering them over or, or altering kind of the hydrology uh, of those ecosystems. Our guest today on On Target is Pierce Evans, the Newfoundland and Labrador Program Director with the Nature Conservancy of Canada. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. My guest today on On Target is Pierce Evans, Newfoundland and Labrador Program Director with the Nature Conservancy of Canada. And Pierce, uh, the Nature Conservancy's goal, I suppose, is to conserve and preserve as much uh, wild space as they can. So what kind of progress did you make over the last year? Uh, well, we've made some pretty huge strides in different parts of the country. Um, you know, probably one of the biggest uh, accomplishments that we've made is uh, in Ontario, uh, a project called the Boreal Wildlands Project. Um, I don't have all the numbers uh, right in front of me right now, but it was um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 164 um uh, 160 square kilometers uh, of private land, private uh, kind of uh, um, uh, timberland uh, that was purchased, uh, partly purchased, part of it was donated um, to uh, the Nature Conservancy of Canada. Um, and this is uh, the largest, this forms now the largest private uh, nature reserve uh, in Canadian history. Um, so we have... Uh, we have made some pretty huge strides uh, in, you know, our supporting um, federal and provincial and territorial governments toward their goals of uh, of achieving that 30 by 30 conservation target. Um, here at home in, in Newfoundland Labrador, um, we are continuing to work closely with um, various partners to uh, develop uh, conservation projects. Uh, we also uh, acquired um, around 230 uh, hectares of land to add to our Salmonier Nature Reserve, uh, just down on Salmonier Line, um, <clears throat> and that was through um, uh, that was through a competitive uh, bid process uh, um, from the uh, uh, Roman Catholic Archdiocese of St. John's um, uh, bankruptcy. So uh, we have been uh, active in. Um, increasing our own footprint here on the island. We're exploring um, an opportunity uh, to acquire uh, additional land in the Codroy Valley, which is another uh, area that we historically have um, placed a lot of uh, our focus on protecting. Um, and we're also exploring opportunity, uh, yeah, opportunities for partnership with um, uh, with industry uh, to um, work towards you know, much larger conservation projects, uh, you know, numbering not in the hundreds of hectares, but in the thousands of hectares uh, in this province. So, um, you know, we're, we are kind of uh, working on many different fronts uh, to make things happen here at home. Um, and one of the, one of the tools that we're trying to implement or we're going to be implementing in the, in the new year, uh, and this is in partnership with the provincial government is, uh, the uh, other effective conservation measures, or, or OECMs, uh, tool, and this is kind of a, a bit of a newer conservation tool. It's uh, 
it's a label or a designation uh, to put on land that is not necessarily considered or, or was not created as a protected area, like a nature reserve or a provincial or federal park. Um, but it is an area or a piece of land where conservation is happening as a byproduct of the type of land management practices that are, are being uh, used there. So this could be private land. Um, uh, it could be, um, say, uh, land that is owned and or controlled by, say, an airport. Airports tend to control a fair bit of land, uh, kind of well, you know, sometimes well past uh, where the fence goes up. Um, and that land needs to be, you know, kept clear uh, as a, you know, flight path or um, to make sure that uh, there aren't any lights, uh, no light pollution or something like that. Um, but there's really not anything else that's done with that land. So, and there's nothing else that's allowed to happen with that land. So that's that's an example of, of land that may qualify as an OECM. So this is kind of one of the tools that we're looking at implementing here in the province um, and seeing kind of looking around and seeing, well, what conservation is happening here uh, that maybe hasn't been counted or considered in the past? Because to get to these 30 by 30 targets, we're going to need to be pulling out all the stops and using every tool in the toolbox to make sure that, you know, we are uh, recognizing conservation that uh, is happening uh, in all different forms and engaging um, people who manage land where they are. I mean, not everybody is ready and willing to uh, donate or, or sell their land to the Nature Conservancy of Canada, um, but they might be able to manage their land in a way that is conducive to long-term conservation. Uh, and so that's maybe, uh, you know, that's maybe where we need to kind of take that conversation and, and it's great to be able to have that flexibility. Tell us a little bit more now about this uh, 240 hectares of land that you, you bought from the Roman Catholic uh, Archdiocese in Salmon Line. Yeah, so this is an opportunity um, uh, that we uh, found out about through, um, through the, you know, the, fairly public um, bankruptcy proceedings uh, of the uh, of the archdiocese um, it is uh, a fully vacant parcel of land there's no um, <clears throat> there's no uh, structure there's no church uh, or or rectory building or uh, or and there's no graveyard uh, on the land as well so it is just a, um, it was a parcel of land that was originally granted to a parish priest uh, in the area uh, who left it to the um, the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and uh, it was one of the many properties that uh, went up um, on uh, for auction, I guess, or for tender rather, um, back in the spring. And uh, we were successful in uh, um, placing a bid for that land. So, so this kind of adds to our existing um, land holdings uh, along the Samanier River. Uh, this land is <clears throat> slightly lower down on the river. It's actually kind of more at the mouth of St. Mary's Bay. Um, and it kind of creates a new uh, area for us. It's uh, it's a bit of a, uh, a bit further 
south and, and a little bit more at the edge of the Avalon Forest ecoregion, which is um, the ecoregion that sort of surrounds the, um, the Samanier River. And it's uh, part of the reason, you know, that, that small ecoregion is part of the reason why we've worked there in the past is because it, um, it protects um, kind of a unique um, ecosystem and, and has a unique little clim- microclimate down there. Um, and the area is well known for the huge yellow birch that grow there um, and uh, some of the lichen, uh, some globally rare lichen species that we've found there, like blue and boreal felt lichens, um, both of which are, are listed species in Canada uh, and uh, and that we protect on our nature reserves. Um, we've also found um, both of the listed bat species using the, uh, the nature reserve down there. Um, a number of um, of listed. I'm sorry. When I say listed, I mean that they're um, they're listed as endangered or threatened or vulnerable. Um, and we've found uh, several um, bird species that uh, appear on those uh, those kind of endangered species lists um, that use those uh, that nature reserve as well. So. So this is a this acquisition more than doubled uh, the size of. Uh, the Nature Conservancy uh, Reserve in that area. And, you know, we're not done. We, we'd still like to um, continue to fill in the, pu- the puzzle pieces uh, that remain uh, in that area. If anybody does own land on the Salmonier River, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and, uh, but this is a, yeah, this is a pretty, uh, pretty nice win for us. But again, you know, it's, there's a lot more work to be done uh, here and um, in other special places across the province. So once you acquire the land, what happens then? Do you just let it sit or do you do some work there to um, make sure it's in the best shape it can be? Yeah, so we are hands-on land managers. Um, <clears throat> we do put up uh, signage and we do engage with local communities where we work. Um, you know, in this case, uh, there's a few uh, areas within the um, property that probably could use some restoration uh, planting. So uh, we'd be um, maybe kind of gathering together a team of volunteers and going out and, and um, planting a few trees uh, in some areas where there have been cuts, uh, cutovers. Um, we'll be monitoring for um, problematic species or invasive species. Um, if there are dump sites that are discovered, we'll uh, work towards cleaning those up. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we also, uh, if the opportunity arises, um, you know, we often partner with um, federal or provincial uh, or Memorial University scientists uh, to do uh, research projects on our land. So. Um, you know, we we may be looking at that sometime uh, down the road in the future. There have been other projects that we've um, undertaken with uh, with MUN researchers in other parts of the Salmonier Nature Reserve. Uh, so it's possible we'll look at that uh, on this new property as well. When we come back after the break, I want to ask you what uh, your plans are for 2023. Our guest today on On Target is the Newfoundland and Labrador Program Director with the Nature Conservancy of Canada, Pierce Evans. We'll be back right after this. 
Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. Our guest today is Pierce Evans, Newfoundland and Labrador Program Director with the Nature Conservancy of Canada. And Pierce, what are some of the biggest threats, I guess, to nature conservation? Uh, well, in action, really. Um, if we are, if we're thinking about, you know, the speed with which we're we're losing species globally, um, and the impacts that that, well, I mean, the known impacts that that will have on um, on our ability to you know continue to uh, thrive uh, on the planet uh, with a, a a large and complex and diverse uh, ecosystem. Um, you know, the the simple truth is that if we don't act quickly, and I mean, this is something that scientists have been saying for for decades, unfortunately, but if we don't act quickly, then, you know, we'll wake up one day uh, and, and key parts of the ecosystem, you know, key parts of the sort of um, family tree of life uh, are going to start to be missing, and, and that can... Uh, that can have a really destabilizing impact on uh, on larger ecosystems as a whole. Um, so that's uh, that's really it. We need to <clears throat> we need to take this uh, this problem seriously. Uh, it needs to be something that we're tackling uh, in every way and and in every place. Uh, and, you know, we need to start seeing some real serious movement on making sure that we're setting aside, uh, you know, adequate, connected and large uh, tracts of wilderness to uh, make sure that the species that we have today were, are going to stick around uh, and that we don't start to, to kind of see those destabilizing impacts on our ecosystems by removing you know, keystone species or um, uh, endemic species or uh, really foundational uh, groups of species. And you touched on this earlier, but is land conservation in a province like Newfoundland and Labrador more challenging because so much of the land is crown owned? Well, it doesn't have to be. Um, You know, we have uh, a real opportunity here, um, arguably, where um, the provincial government um, still retains uh, a lot of power uh, over the land base of the province. Um, and there are adequate uh, legislative protection measures uh, in place. You know, we have the uh, the Provincial Parks Act, we have the Lands Act, we have the um, Wilderness and Ecological Reserves Act. Um, these are all legal mechanisms that the province can use to uh, protect, you know, fairly substantial um, areas of land. Um, so, you know, and we also have, we're starting to see um, increased interest and support from the public, from the business community. Um, you know, we've got uh, very strong signaling from the federal government uh, that they would like to see uh, an increased pace of conservation. Um, and uh, of course, there's um, there's a small but mighty um, community of uh, nonprofits who are here and willing to support uh, the province and in, in, in doing this work. Uh, so I think there's a, a huge opportunity here to, to make some uh, huge and meaningful, meaningful strides towards uh, meeting some of those targets, those 30 by 30 targets. Um, 
and making sure that you know we continue to have uh, these special places around the province um, full of full of life. Um, so uh, you know I don't see it as a as a challenge. Um, it does mean that there's a, a less private land available for organizations like ours, um, and that's part of the reason why we've been pivoting in recent years uh, to um, kind of modify how we work to be able to work more um, uh, in closer um, contact with um, things like provincial governments or even uh, Indigenous governments uh, to you know, work on Crown land. Uh, and, uh, you know, and that can take the form of these uh, provincial uh, uh, nature, uh, like uh, eco ecological or or wilderness reserves or parks, uh, but it can also take the form of OECMs, like I was describing earlier, uh, or even uh, indigenous protected and conserved areas. Um, and that on its own is not necessarily kind of a, a land designation, but it is uh, a conservation, uh, a form of conservation action, you know, that's led by um, indigenous groups. And, and we've seen that here in the province as well with Meopakek um, First Nation, uh, leading the charge on on creating their own um, uh, indigenous protected and conserved area down on the south coast, um, and that's great to see. You know, and we'd we'd encourage uh, you know uh, anybody who's uh, interested in in you know any of the the indigenous communities who are interested in in looking at a similar model. Um, you know, that's something that uh, that is very encouraging to see uh, that happening here in the province. Uh, if you know the Nature Conservancy Canada can support them. Uh, we will, but you know these are things that um, Indigenous communities are are leading uh, across the country. Um, and I should mention that uh, we're seeing one actually way up north in uh, in Nanatsuit, um with a marine Indigenous um, protected and conserved area that is proposed and being worked towards. So there's 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 these kinds of actions that are are happening, um, but it's uh, it can be a little bit uh, slow going without, uh, like, like I said, without that all of uh, society approach. You know, that's something that we, we need to kind of all hands on deck. So what's ahead now in 2023? Have you got your eye on any particular parcels of land? Uh, well, we will be continuing to work um, in the Salmonier uh, Nature Reserve area. Um, you know, we're still working towards um, um, meeting our fundraising goal uh, for the parcel that we uh, most recently acquired in, in 2022. Um, and we're looking ahead at uh, reaching out to landowners in that area to see if uh, uh, there are others who would be interested in working with uh, the Nature Conservancy. Um, we're looking at a parcel in the Codroy Valley as well, um, and uh, we'll be in, uh, exploring uh, other areas, generally where we already have um, nature reserves. We, we like to be able to kind of uh, build on to existing nature reserves and, and uh, kind of fill in pieces of missing pieces of the puzzle. Um, like I said, we'll be working with the provincial government uh, and other partners uh, towards uh, implementation of uh, the OECM designation for kind of alternative forms of conservation happening across the province. 
um, and we'll be continuing to explore opportunities to make large-scale conservation happen with um, the uh, members of the business community who have come forward uh, to uh, NCC and expressed interest in working with us. So I think it'll be a bit of a busy year, to be honest, um, but uh, hopefully that'll uh, produce some, um, some real results for nature conservation here in Newfoundland Labrador. How are you settling in since uh, taking over the new role? Uh, well, it's been uh, it's been a pretty it was a steep learning curve, but it's been very rewarding. Uh, it's been very busy. Um, you know, the uh, the number of opportunities uh, has been fairly rapidly growing, uh, and I don't expect it to stop. You know, with the the kind of pace of um, of change and, and development that uh, it we're starting to see in this province, um, that almost contradictorily um, does present new opportunities uh, for us for new partnerships you're seeing <clears throat> you're seeing huge growth in you know in the mining sector and mineral exploration uh, you're obviously everybody's heard about um, all of the uh, wind development um, potential and opportunity uh, and that all all that activity uh, tends to sort of uh, creates opportunities for partnership because it um, because it really uh, expands the amount of land that is being used in the province, or it's using land that has already been used for one thing, uh, but now it's being used for maybe multiple things. You know, these um, uh, uh, wind developments might be happening uh, on land that is also under uh, mineral uh, exploration permit or lease uh, or timber tenured land or that sort of thing. So um, it just kind of expands the number of potential partners uh, that we have to work with uh, for land conservation um, projects. So again, we're, we're sort of trying to uh, walk the talk uh, and and making sure that we're engaging with um, everybody that we can um, to make uh, these projects these uh, you know make land conservation happen uh, in in large and meaningful ways in the province. We only have about a minute left, but what can the average person do uh, to reduce the impact on nature and wild places, or or make a contribution to the Nature Conservancy? Uh, well. You know, we uh, we're always uh, looking for um, uh, support. Um, we uh, if if people know about um, uh, family members or, or that they you know they own personally um, parcels of land that they think might be ecologically significant, uh, they can reach out to me um, at the Atlantic at natureconservancy.ca um, email address. Um, <clears throat> And if uh, people would like to support us directly, um, we have an ongoing fundraising campaign uh, for the province. Um, all funds uh, raised stay in Newfoundland Labrador, and they also leverage um, additional funding, uh, federal and private funding, uh, that also stays here in the province. And that's the Keep the Rock Rugged campaign. Uh, and they can find that on our website as well, um, natureconservancy.ca. So uh, those are uh, kind of the best ways really to support our work right now. Um, and uh, aside from that, you know, stay tuned. We're, uh, we're happy to continue to 
speak with VOCM and make sure that we update you on um, all the exciting news and conservation uh, in the province. Well, I really appreciate your time this afternoon, uh, Pierce. I know you're getting over one of those uh, nasty old bugs that's making this round. So <laughs> I appreciate. I am. Yeah, I appreciate the that's fact that your voice held out <laughs> for as long as it did. It's been a little touch and go, but uh, I've yeah I've managed to keep coughs at bay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I really appreciate your time. All the best to you. If we're not talking before then, Merry Christmas to you and a Happy New Year. Thanks so much. Right back at you. Thank you. And we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about uh, what's ahead in, I don't know, global, political, geopolitical, uh, economic stuff. (laughs) Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.